Nicole. And I'm Rachel. This is the Movement Toward Change podcast. We are using dance as a means to cultivate community and start conversation. Today, we are honored to speak with Jess Spinner. Jess studied dance and arts administration at Butler University. She danced with the Louisville Ballet and freelanced throughout the Boston area. Jess is a certified health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and has a precision nutrition certification with a focus in sports nutrition. She is the founder of The Whole Dancer, where she is a health and lifestyle coach for dancers. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks so much for having me. So could you tell us a little bit about your journey to this point? Oh, sure. (laughs) Um, That sometimes gets a little long-winded, but I'll see what I can do to be relatively concise. Uh, So, you know, I started pursuing dance on a more professional level, more professional training around 12. Prior to that, I was like not at a very great dance school as far as like training went. Um, And then I, you know, went to summer intensives every year and and tried to like push forward a little bit once it got to the end of high school uh, partly because I really didn't feel ready to be dancing professionally but also partly because my mother was like you can dance but you have to go to college I decided to go to college and so I ended up at Butler which was awesome and it was a really positive experience and I learned a lot and grew a lot and then yeah, after Butler, I ended up in Louisville, which was also a great experience and uh, really an awesome company to be a part of. Throughout my dance journey, I had a pretty uh, unhealthy relationship with food and my body, and that sort of like pervaded the whole experience. And so while I did have a lot of moments and times when I was really enjoying the dancing, there was always sort of like this cloud hanging over me of negative body image and, you know, feeling like I should be thinner. And it did all stem from like feedback that I got as a young dancer uh, up through much of my training, although I didn't get a ton of negative body feedback in college. And then when I was dancing professionally, but I just sort of held on to what I had gotten as a younger dancer and, you know, kept it as my truth. So I then, after Louisville, I did move to Boston and I freelanced in Boston. And that's when I sort of was like hitting this. Um, it's freelancing is a challenging way to go. Uh, I think any dancer who freelances can tell you that. Like, you have to like really find that internal motivation to keep going forward and auditioning and see- seeking out new opportunities and things like that. And so I was starting to definitely get sort of burnt out. In addition to the dancing, I was also like working two jobs and like working seven days a week and, you know, which is just not balanced or sustainable. But I think a lot of dancers tend to do that sort of thing, especially when we're in that starving artist mentality. So I was getting really burnt out and then I got injured. And so, you know, I'm sort of like I have mixed feelings about whether it was really the injury or whether just I was not in a great mental place, which one exactly ended my career at that point. It was probably a combination of the two. And so when I stopped dancing, you know, I did a lot of exploration and looked at um, what I was going to do next and ended up in retail things, which I didn't like. And then I started nannying, which I didn't like, at least not for a long term sustainable situation. And that's when I, I was like, I started taking classes 
to towards a master's and uh you know then i found the institute for integrative nutrition and decided that that was really the roots of health and holistic uh nutrition and support that spoke to me at at the highest level and so i went down that road uh first when i was health coaching i was working with just whomever like you know friends of friends and just like sort of uh, dipping my toe in and seeing what I uh, enjoyed doing with people and working with just regular folks didn't fully resonate with me. And so I started working with a business coach and she was the one who sort of said, well, in our first session, she was like, you should be working with dancers. And I was like, oh, that's like kind of scary to me because I wasn't sure. I felt like very far removed from the world, that world, even though it had honestly only been a few years. Um, but I was, and, and then I also had a lot of fear about getting back into it. I was sort of like, will I be able to maintain a positive mindset if I start, you know, like hearing these, uh, damaging stories and like these hard things that dancers go through, is that going to like be too triggering for me to really, uh, be a support? Um, but I was like, okay, I have to at least try and see where it goes. And so that's, uh, in 2015 when I started the whole dancer, um, and it's been an awesome ride. I think that, you know, when I started The Whole Dancer, there really wasn't much as far as like holistic support and mental health support for dancers um, and even like food support that wasn't fully dictated by, uh, you know, like government standards and like the, the old general nutrition advice around calories and counting things. Um, so there wasn't much going on uh, when I started. And over the last five years, a lot of other people have started to have this focus, which I think is really awesome because I always say, like I'll always reach out to a new uh, health or wellness um, person who starts working with dancers because not everyone is going to resonate with every dancer out there. And I also don't have time to work with every dancer out there. So I think it's always good when there are new supports and new people who will resonate with other dancers so that there are options and dancers feel like they can find someone who speaks to them um, on many levels. So yeah, that's the journey. What exactly is a health and lifestyle coach and in what ways are you providing support for dancers? Sure. So health coaching is really about making changes that are not just about food, but they are about your day-to-day -day habits. They're about the way you approach your mornings, or it's about the way that you approach your meals. Um, so it's really not just about food. And then the lifestyle component comes in with dancers especially. And I mean, I guess it's like a lifestyle slash career support situation because a lot of it is you know, pulling from my own experience as a professional dancer and showing even the aspiring professional dancers, like how they might uh, create a life around dance that's not only dance focused, uh, so that it is also supporting uh, becoming a better artist and becoming a stronger dancer mentally and physically. Uh, we have to sort of make sure that we're not just thinking about dance all the time. And so I would say that's kind of where the life and career piece comes in is like finding that balance with things. Uh, I'm big on balance for dancers. And I think that that's another thing that has sort of started to transform over the last 
five-ish years is that we have most people in dance, at least at some level, have recognized that when you are just focusing on dance 24-7, 100% of the time, like that can very quickly lead to burnout and that can very quickly uh, lead to consistent negative thought patterns. And by bringing other things into your life, you're going to have a much more positive uh, and mindful approach. Uh, with the food piece as well, going back to health coaching a little bit, you know, a lot of our choices with food is is motivated or are motivated by uh, how we want to look. And I think that it's important for dancers to switch that thinking to how do you want to feel and how is food going to support those feelings? And, uh, you know, and those feelings can include just like being positive and staying aware of what's going on in the studio. So you're showing up fully from a mental perspective and your food choices do impact that. So I think it's making that connection for dancers as well. And I work with dancers through a group coaching program called the Dancers Best Body Course and Group Coaching Program, or one-on-one -on -one through Elite Best Body Coaching, uh, which is a six-month, like super in-depth weekly meetings uh, coaching program. So those are the, the two ways that I really am focused right now on working with dancers. And then also, you know, if one of those options doesn't work for someone, I have a lot of information online on the Whole Dancer website and, you know, all over. That is that is free for you to consume. So what is the Dancer's Best Body program? And then what are the seven steps you have, you've defined in the program? Sure. So the Dancer's Best Body program, like I said, is a, it's an online course. And along with the course is the group coaching piece. Uh, it used to only be the course, and I found that, you know, dancers, like most people, but dancers especially, I think, can be crazy busy, uh, especially some of the dancers who go through the program, they can be as young as 15 or 16, and so then they're juggling, like, high school stuff, and, you know, time gets away from you, and if you don't have the additional accountability of group coaching, it's very easy to sort of just get busy and then forget to keep doing it, and then you don't get the full benefits of the course. So that's where I threw in the group coaching, which I actually just introduced back in May. And partly it was motivated by the whole COVID situation and knowing that dancers were at home and in need of greater connection. And I thought it was just a really good time for dancers who might not typically have the time to spend on body image and food and mindset to give it the time that it deserves. And so May was such an awesome round of group coaching that I knew it was something I wanted to continue. So now we've had a second round in um, September and I'll be enrolling in December for a round that will start in January of 2021. Uh, and it's just a big sort of, the, the element of community in the group coaching really helps people to feel like, oh wow, I'm really not alone in these thoughts that I have around food in my body. And in fact, we all have a lot of similar demons that we're fighting. Uh, so that helps a lot. And then the seven steps, and this is something that, you know, it's like over time I have come to. Uh, and, and it's something that also I think when dancers are looking for an approach that works for them, knowing that there's an actual process that you're going to go through can make a big difference in what you actually see as results. And it's like I said, it's a process that I've been refining over five years and I have seen to be effective for 
the majority of dancers who I work with. And so step one is just sort of like knowing the basics of healthy eating. Like you have to have a foundation of the foods that are going to fuel you best. And, um, you know, it's not like rocket science, but you have to have some basic knowledge of protein, carbs, and fat, and what balance looks like in those areas and applying that to your own personal needs. And then step two is practicing self-care, because like I said, when dancers don't sort of like care for their bodies, they disconnect. And when you care for your body, you're being respectful towards yourself. And it's a lot easier to stay positive and find positive uh, thoughts around yourself when you're actually giving yourself that time and care and respect. Um, so self-care is essential. And so like establishing routines around self-care is something we would do in that step and just making sure that you are prioritizing those things. And then step three is meal planning and prep, because again, going back to dancers being crazy busy, like you have to, you don't have to like write down every day exactly what you're going to eat, but to prep some food on the day off that you have, or to, you know, say, okay, I am going to have these few dinners at the ready so that I can just come home and heat them up because, you know, sometimes dancers professional dancers especially will be, you know, like dancing all day and then some of them teach at night and then they get home and they're like ravenous. And if you don't have something prepared, it's very easy to just like go crazy on whatever snacks you have around. Um, so that's where the meal planning and prep piece comes in. And then step four is about creating your personal meal plan and knowing and identifying what foods work for you that might not work for someone else. Or, you know, at least acknowledging for yourself, okay, I might look at another dancer's meal plan for inspiration, but just because those foods and those meals work for her does not mean it's going to work for me. And I have to figure out what does work for me and my body. And that's, there's a lot of experimentation that we go through both in the group coaching program. And then when I work with dancers one-on-one, -on -one, it's like trying some things, eliminating some things and finding the mix that's going to actually work best to reach your personal best dancer's body. And then step five is about cultivating confidence. And, you know, this is sort of like the self-care piece helps you to get into that positive place, but then you have to really spend some time uh, sort of undoing negative things you might have heard in the past and making sure that you're getting to a place where you feel confident in all situations you know, not just your day-to-day -day things that you're comfortable with, but getting into auditions and casting and things like that. And then in step six, it's just making sure that you have cross-training going on and it's targeted and it's not overdone. And uh, it's actually addressing the areas of opportunity in your technique and the things that you need to work on and work to improve. Um, cross-training can be very like random if you don't sit down and think about it. So that's kind of where this is getting into a plan that is actually strategic versus just like, I don't know, I'm going to go on the elliptical for an hour kind of a thing, which a lot of us do, I think. And then uh, step seven is about eliminating restriction. By that point, a lot of times, any dancers who were in the mindset of I should be eating less uh, or under eating, they have already gotten to a place where they're feeling balanced with food and not restrictive. But uh, this is where if any of those thoughts around these are bad foods that I should never eat are still lingering, we make sure that that has kind of like been undone so that you acknowledge that you can and should eat whatever you're desiring. And that is what is going to help you to actually be more balanced with food. 
how can a dancer develop a healthy relationship with his or her body? So there are a lot of things that trip dancers up in the positive body image thing. And I think one of the first things that has to be looked at is where the negative thoughts have come from. Because a, a lot of times, like I said, it's coming from your younger years, some of the first messages you heard around what a dancer's body should be, some of the potentially the first feedback that you've gotten around what your body should be or what's quote unquote wrong with your body. Uh, because teachers, not all teachers do this, but a lot of teachers just like don't hold back at all and say things that are actually quite damaging to the body image piece for dancers. So I think that one of the first things to do is to look back at where it all has come from for you. And then to sort of rewrite that story, which I have started doing with all of my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, and I'm planning to bring it into the group program in some capacity, just because I think it's really important to rewrite your body story. Uh, and, you know, that can be looking back and, and saying, what would it have looked like if I was working with someone who was only positive and only gave me positive messages about my body the whole time? That's one way to go about it. One of my clients found that when she looked back and did that, it was more, uh, she just like felt a little bit of regret that she didn't have those positive people all the time. So for her, it worked to say, okay, if I am in control in this moment and I'm in control moving forward, what's it going to look like for me when I only have a positive story about my body now and moving forward? So I think that either approach can work really well. Uh, and this is a lot of like writing and journaling. And I think that dancers, especially if you don't have some sort of practice around that, working to integrate a journaling practice, especially around your body. Uh, and like I said, both rewriting that story and then also making sure that you're finding the gratitude for everything your body allows you to do. And I think that when dancers struggle to find gratitude for what their body is doing for them, you've got to start really simple and say like, I'm grateful that my body allows me to walk around every day because like, obviously that's something we all take for granted. Um, so getting really specific then about, you know, in dance, when you can start to say, okay, in dance, this is something I'm grateful my body allows me to do and like really hone in on your strengths and uh, see the gifts that you have and the gifts that you bring. And again, it has to be like a daily consistent practice. Uh, it's like a muscle. The more we work it out, the stronger it gets. And the more you stick to the positive side of things, the uh, easier it is to click into that mindset when a negative thought comes up. Is there any specific advice you would give to a dancer that might feel that their body is not fitting the norm in um, the classroom or the studio environment that they're in? I think that it's really big to know that there are places to dance with their various body types. And sometimes, even whether it's the school that you're in or the company that you're dancing in professionally, like they have accepted you or hired you and they clearly saw something in you that was positive. Even if they choose to go to a negative feedback place with your body, like obviously there was an initial thing that they saw that was good. And I want you to focus on that. And then 
you might also then have to say to yourself, okay, if this is something that's coming up for me consistently while I'm here, if they continue to point to this thing as wrong uh, or as not good in terms of how my body looks, maybe it is time to look for a different place to dance. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a different genre of dance. You know, that's sometimes is the feedback we get like, well, your body might just not be right for ballet. Sometimes it's just a matter of a different ballet company. Uh, so always keep that in mind as well. And what are some of your favorite self-care practices to utilize? And are there certain forms of self-care that are particularly useful to dancers specifically? I think that for dancers, the stuff that, again, is more uh, focused on caring for your bodies. So like simple things like stretching, if you don't do it consistently, and it doesn't have to be about like getting more flexible, but it's about, you know, just like it feels good after you've danced all day kind of a thing. Uh, I like a hot towel scrub for dancers. Uh, I have guides for these things. So if people listen to the podcast and they're interested in more detail, because I could talk about self-care practices for, again, for like a very long time, uh, you can send me an email and I'll, I'll provide some more information, but like a hot towel scrub is great for dancers. Uh, baths are simple and, and also the kind of thing that sometimes we're just like, oh, I don't have time for that. But then you go and sit on the couch and watch Netflix for two hours. So, you know, give yourself the time to have a 20 minute bath instead of just spending all the time vegging, which can also be, a positive form of self-care. I think that dancers sometimes have a hard time releasing guilt around just like relaxing. Uh, so sometimes for dancers, just simply relaxing is a good form of self-care. Um, exercise that is not strenuous. So, you know, restorative yoga is great. Swimming could be a nice form of self-care and uh, going for a walk in nature. So they're relatively simple things. And also sometimes just the kind of things that we don't uh, prioritize or we think I'm too busy to do it. But knowing that some of these things you can spend five minutes on and that could have a really positive effect. Like if you're like, oh, I don't have time to go on a walk, like go for a walk around the block, you know, and when you get back and you get back into whatever it was that you felt you needed to be doing instead, you'll you'll likely have a uh, shifted perspective. Even just taking a few minutes, I feel like can make such a big difference in the day. A hundred percent. I mean, and that's another thing like with meditation and stuff like that. Sometimes people are like, oh, I don't have time to meditate. But it's like there are three minute meditations. Like everyone has three minutes. So it makes a big difference. How do you suggest that a dancer find and create an eating style or plan that works best for them and kind of they, they tune out the outside voices? Yeah, a lot of it is first getting to that mental place where you acknowledge, like I said earlier, that it doesn't matter how anyone else eats. It doesn't matter that this is the way of eating that works for this dancer because we have all of those like what I eat in a day things out there, which I'm not a fan of uh, for obvious reasons, just because I think it's potentially too much influence. And again, we're all so different uh, that you have to say, okay, it doesn't matter how she eats. It doesn't matter that this eats, that this works for her. There's no evidence that it's going to work for me. Uh, so I always say, start with how you're eating now, right? Look at, you know, maybe write down a few days of food, as long as that's not something that feels restrictive to you. And definitely don't record calories, but rather just like write down what you're eating so you can get a sense of where your food choices are. Because sometimes we do it unconsciously. Sometimes we don't overthink it. And, 
and then it just is all habitual stuff. And then you can get a big picture view and say, okay, wow, it looks like I'm eating. And again, this is where a little bit of basic nutrition knowledge comes in. It's like, oh, it looks like I'm eating a ton of fat in the morning and then I'm not eating any later in the day, or I'm eating a ton of protein in the morning and then I'm kind of skimping on it later in the day. And when you identify things like that, then you can say, okay, I'm going to try eating more protein at lunch because I, it seems to be a little bit light at lunch. Uh, and then you stick to that shift for a couple of weeks and you see what you notice as far as your energy, as far as your uh, satisfaction from the meals. And again, stick to it for a couple of weeks. You can get a true view of like what sort of change it brings for you. And then you kind of assess if it's something that you want to stick to, if it's something that you think, I don't know, like I didn't notice much of a difference or I didn't enjoy my meal as much because I don't like that food as much, you know, all of those things. And take those shifts bit by bit, piece by piece, very small shifts uh, each time. And then again, like really paying attention. One of the biggest things that is missing for us is, again, with busy schedules and busy lives and like running from one thing to the next is like really tuning into your body and your hunger cues and being mindful when you're eating. And we also get distracted. Sometimes we have screens on and we're watching shows or talking to friends and like all of those things can be positive. But at the same time, if it takes away from your ability to really listen to what your body is telling you, we have to like work to eliminate distractions as well and tune back into our bodies are very smart when it comes to food and needs and satisfaction. But again, it's like very easy to tune it all uh, to be just paying attention to all the other things and missing the cues. So tuning in really closely makes a huge difference, which is again, where it's like talking to someone about it. Sometimes I will notice things for my clients that they on their own might not have noticed, or like it might've taken a much longer time for them to figure out. Are there certain like kind of signs or indications that as a dancer is going through this process, they might want to reach out for some additional support? I mean, I think that it's, it's interesting because, you know, we have all of these things in dance that we feel like we should be always investing in or where our focus is from, from a time perspective. Uh, and so like, you know, like we buy a lot of leotards and yes, we need point shoes, but like, you know, we spend time and money on things that aren't necessarily going to take you from student to professional or aren't going to support you through auditions. You know, like a new leotard is great, but if you're not in the mental place of confidence, it's not going to make a huge difference. Uh, so I think that a health coach could be an integral part of your team at any point, you know, your support team, wherever you might be. It's especially helpful, I think, when you're transitioning from like a less professional school to a more professional school. A lot of my clients have been in that situation. A lot of my clients have been in the, you know, college to company transition. Uh, so a lot of transitions are common times to reach out for someone. Uh, but I think that, again, it's useful all the time. And so if you are thinking like, I don't know, I could be more confident, or I don't know that I'm fueling myself the best that I could, uh, or, you know, you're just sort of like questioning things on your path, those are good indicators that it's the time to reach out. Uh, it's just kind of circling back a little bit. Um, what suggestions would you give to dancers if they have a long day of dance and don't necessarily have enough time to eat a proper meal for an extended period of time? 
such as like you have classes all day and then you can't eat dinner until eight o'clock at night. Yeah, it's such a common thing for dancers. And I always say overpack snacks. Like even if you don't think you're going to have time for them, like pack a bunch of snacks. And I think it's helpful to have snacks that if you're driving yourself, right, maybe you have a smoothie that you can drink on the way home so that you don't get home starving for dinner. Uh, or you have a smoothie that you can easily sip between classes or rehearsals. Um, mini meals are another big thing that I suggest. So it's like, yes, maybe you're not going to have time to sit down and eat a full dinner. But if you have five or 10 minutes, like you can sit down and eat a portion of a dinner uh, that you have brought as a snack, but then is also uh, balanced. Working to balance your snacks with protein, carbs, and fat is also going to help to keep you satisfied. So those are all some things to keep in mind with the busyness of the day. And again, just to reiterate, overpack snacks. Like the most common thing is to not pack enough snacks. So as long as they're things that are not going to go bad in your bag, obviously, for bringing them, bring more snacks than you think you'll need. Be prepared is what I'm yeah. saying. How can a dancer approach creating a cross-training plan and what are some suggestions that you have for cross-training? I think still one of the most underutilized forms of cross-training for dancers is weightlifting and some, you know, some sort of weight training uh, because there still is that fear of bulking up. It's very hard to bulk up. You have to be like intentionally eating a lot more food to do it, especially for female dancers because of your hormones. Like it's not easy to get bulky. Uh, even the dancer, even for the dancers who are like, oh, but I don't know, I think my quads just get really big, really fast. Like, I've been there. That was my thought process. It's like really not the case. When you build that muscle, your body just works more efficiently and you will get leaner more quickly by focusing on that. And it's also the kind of thing that doesn't have to be overdone. Like you can weight train two or three times a week, 20 or 30 minutes each time. And like, that could be it. Uh, I think working with someone whose specific focus is that cross-training piece can help a lot. And uh, even if you just work with them a couple of times and ask them to create a plan for you around your areas of opportunity in dance, that's going to be a super valuable investment. And then, so what is your hope for this next generation of dancers and their approach to health and wellness? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I hope that the the whole message in dance starts to shift. It is starting, but as we've seen with recent events, like there are still a lot of bad actors who I think are keeping things in that like older, you just have to be thinner, whatever means necessary place. And so I do hope that, you know, as the dancers who are young now, are, are moving up, more of them are getting the messages that approaching these things from a health perspective and approaching these things from a balanced, positive mental perspective are in fact going to take dancers much further. Uh, I think that the more those dancers bring that message with them forward, the better off we will all be in dance. And that's one thing that I, I was going to mention earlier and I forgot to say it, but when a dancer has support, she is much more likely to move forward into a career in dance that is sustainable and positive and like joyful and happy. 
versus when she stays in a place of struggling or thinking that it's a fight with her body the whole time and then she gets burnt out or develops some level of disordered eating uh, or just doesn't is not in a place where she can sustain a career because she has gotten to this place where it's like it's like I said it's all a fight um, and so that's where like the support piece comes in hugely as well I do see more teachers you know like reaching out to me for things like workshops because they see the value of having these conversations. I even had a workshop recently with young dancers, like nine to 12, because the teacher said, I just really want them to have the message of, you know, eating well and fueling their bodies and creating a balanced mental place for dance and food at a young age. And I was like, that's amazing. Uh, so I think we need more of that. And I think that I do see it happening. So I, I feel like as we put more focus there, it will continue to grow and gain momentum. And eventually things will all be transformed. <laughs> what is the number one piece of advice you would like to give to the movement toward change dance community? You know, I think that focusing on your mental and physical health above pleasing anyone else is what's going to take you the furthest in the healthiest and uh, most positive way. I had a chat with a client just before we talked today. And she said, you know, I had these two injuries flaring up, and we were having this nutcracker rehearsal. And so I told my ballet mistress, you know, I don't think it's a good idea for me physically to do this today. And the ballet mistress's response was unfortunately, well, then I will give the role to your understudy for the shows. And you know, this is, of course, getting into those harsh realities that still unfortunately exist. And she said, okay, I, I don't think I should do it. If, if that's what has to happen, it's okay. And, you know, I was so proud of her because she prioritized her own well-being over the pressure she was getting from artistic staff, which is, not easy to do and she's a young dancer she's out of college but it's her first year in a professional company and so to advocate for herself at that age and at that stage in her career is huge and i think the more dancers step up and do that as hard as it is and as as scary as it feels in the moment the more the leadership will have to respond and say okay we can't just push them into these things all the time uh, so i think that being your own advocate and again prioritizing your own physical and mental health over the pressure that you're feeling is going to keep you well and in fact make your career last longer as much as it might feel the opposite in the moment <laughs> yeah i feel like it can be so hard in the moment to say you i can't do something i'm not gonna be able to make it today but like in the long term if you keep you know, up with that cycle of always pushing through. I feel like that's when injury, burnout, all those things that start to happen because it's just piling up so much. 100%. And it's, like I said, it's scary to say no, especially to artistic staff, especially in your first year in a professional company. But, you know, what is the alternative? Like she already has these two injuries that she's working with. She could make them worse. She could have an injury that then 
kick, you know, makes her sit on the sidelines for six months. Uh, and so like her ultimate thought process was I have to take care of my body for the long term because I would like dance to be my career, not just like a couple of year thing. Um, so we have to like think bigger picture, like what, what, what's the potential impact of this? That goes for food as well. Whenever dancers are being restrictive or asking me about like diets, I always have to go back to, you know, not fueling your dancing will lead to injuries. Uh, which was my own personal experience as well. Like I underfueled in my teens and I had stress fractures all the time. Uh, so we have to like, even when we're young, work to think about what's going to be the bigger potential impact of this. In this moment, is there a specific quote that speaks to you? Oh, uh, well, I will go back to a quote that I preach often, uh, which is feel the fear and do it anyway. Uh, because I think that a lot of times this is something that I will, especially sometimes I will uh, do some like pop-up audition coaching specific services. So whenever I talk to dancers with auditions, it's like, okay, this, these are going to be scary situations. Let's make sure that we are feeling the fear and putting ourselves out there even uh, through that fear. I love that. It's a good one. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, speaking with us. This was wonderful. We're looking forward to sharing this episode. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Thank you guys so much for reaching out. If you have further questions for Jess or would like to schedule an appointment, you can contact her through her website, thewholedancer.com. We will also share the link for the Dancer's Best Body Program waitlist in the show notes. <laughs>